Well, good morning, everybody. If you are new in the room or new online, my name's Troy. I'm so glad that you have joined us. And today, we're going to, I want to start off by telling you something which um, not even my wife, Edwina, actually knew about uh, for the longest time. So she actually got to read my message and, and today, and so she go, well, I didn't realise that about you. And so I'm going to tell you something that was only very recently Ed- Edwina got to know about. It was about 15 years ago, and Edwina and our daughter Taylor and I myself, we went away for a holiday up the mid-north coast, and we, and we rented a unit um, which had sort of like cable TV on, which meant that we could... Um, I could sit down and watch over and over again with my six-year-old daughter, at, at that time six-year-old, we could watch over and over again the, um, the recently released uh, Disney animated movie called Meet the Robinsons. Anyone know Meet the Robinsons? A, a, couple, a couple of people do, a lot of people don't, but that's all right. Encourage you to watch it because it is perhaps um, Disney's best animated movie, considering the message that it has in the movie. It's a, the message is about how you keep moving forward even when significant obstacles come your way. Now, at the end of this movie that we watched over and over again, there is the theme song for the movie. And uh, the theme song is played when everything or the movie is all wrapped up and, and things like that. And the theme song is by a guy called Rob Thomas. Now, Rob Thomas, the lead singer of Matchbox 20. Anyone know Matchbox 20? We know a, a few of us do know who Rob Thomas is. Well, the theme song for this movie is a one called Little Wonders. And um, it's a phenomenal song. Now, I want to show you a very clip extract from the song because it, uh, it may junk, jolt your memory about if you happen to know the song or not. So let's just watch a really quick extract from the song right now. Thanks, Kate. Let it slide Let your troubles fall behind you Let it shine Till you feel it all around you Does that clip refresh anyone's anyone's memory about the song? Some of us have never heard it before. Some of us we have. In case you uh, you do know the song, or in case you don't, I want to really focus on the chorus, which we heard at the last part of that song. The chorus says these words: "It says our lives are made in these small hours, these little wonders, these twists and turns of fate. Time falls away, but these small hours, these small hours still remain." That's the chorus. Now. Forgive me. Every time I hear that song, I get emotional. As you can see, I get emotional every time I hear that song. The the song is a trigger for me because it actually goes back to, it reminds me of what happened when we were away on this holiday. You see, we watched the movie over and again, so all I heard was this song over and over again. But we were watching the movie in between... Taylor getting massive headache attacks. 
the most intense headaches you've ever seen in your life and it was affecting her profoundly. Edwina and I were tossing up whether or not we should take her to hospital or not or at least take her to the doctors to try and see what, what is actually going on. But it is these, these headaches which seem to come out of nowhere, these twists and turns of fate, if you like, that the song talks about that some people would refer to. They're sort of like unexpected developments in family life. And these unexpected developments, these headaches for Taylor, caused me to have my first real experience of catastrophizing. Now, you know what I mean by catastrophizing? It is picturing in your mind a situation that you think is, you could very well happen. It's likely not to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But in your mind, you are convinced it is going to happen. And what you're picturing in your mind is the worst case scenario. It is going to be the worst thing. It's a catastrophe of what's going to play out in your mind. Now, the song that we just listened to talks about how our lives are made in the small hours. And the focus of the song is predominantly about those precious, special times that we spend with people, opportunities that have in our lives that make us who we are. But what we also have to recognise is that in the small hours, that is exactly where our lives are made. But the small hours, for a lot of it, is when... We can't sleep at night because we're worried. The small hours of when we are racked with worry and we think about what could be in the worst possible scenarios. Our lives are made in those small hours of when our minds just run away from us about imagining what could happen in those particular situations. For me... In those small hours, I was picturing Taylor now with a brain tumour and then everything in our life, all the things that we expected had new in our life up until that point was going to change and change for the worse. In those small hours, I pictured something so much worse. In those small hours, I was now picturing a catastrophic situation. And if I'm honest with you, I still find myself doing that today, more times than I care to admit. Now, can I reassure you that Taylor was fine? She didn't have any, it was any nasty, nothing sinister there. She just had some headaches that happened from time to time. But in my mind, it was so much worse. So my, that's my experience. Let me ask you, how much do you catastrophize in things in your life? I mean, it's so easy to do, isn't it? You get a phone call from somebody. You have a conversation. You receive an email. You do some research by Dr. Google. How many of us have done Dr. Google searches and all of a sudden our minds are off to the races and we are picturing a situation that is so much worse than we ever imagined it could be. It is so much worse than it's probably ever going to be. But we are just off to the races and we're imagining a catastrophic situation in our lives. Now, for those of us who have this tendency to catastrophize, which I am guilty of as well, today's verse that we're looking at in this series from Psalm 23 should help us profoundly. We're looking at verse 4 of uh, Psalm 23, 
And it's a verse that I need to know about. It's a verse that I need to live out. And chances are there may be people listening to me now who also need to listen to this verse from Psalm 23. Now, in this series so far, the first three weeks, we've looked at the first three verses, which then leads us into what we're looking at today. The first three verses of Psalm 23 is this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We sang this reality a little bit earlier today. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, the writer says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. That's the first three verses leading into verse four, which says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, in recognising what comes before today's verse, verse 4, helps us actually understand verse 4 a whole lot more. With, with the Lord, with Jesus as our shepherd, we actually understand and get to experience that we lack nothing in life. Everything that we need for life is found in Jesus. Everything we need for life is found in Jesus. And What that is like, knowing that everything that we need for life is found in Jesus, provides us, the best way to describe it is like you're getting your picnic rug out and and you're spreading it out over lush green grass. And then you lie down on the picnic rug and you put your hands behind your head and you look up at clear blue skies. And the spring sun is warming your face. Can you picture how you would feel in that moment laying out on the, on the rug in that setting? That's what it means for us to have Jesus as our shepherd, that incredible reassurance, that incredible peace, knowing that in Jesus we have all that we need. It's like lying out on a picnic rug, a picnic rug on the green grass on a beautiful day. But for those of us who find ourselves incredibly tired, weary, worn out, Knowing that the shepherd is with us and he provides us everything we need, it's like on a really hot day, which we probably will experience today. You know those really hot days when your feet are burning because you've been walking on hot pavement all the time? Your feet are burning. Knowing that the shepherd is like you coming up on a really hot day with your feet burning and taking off your shoes and dangling your feet in cool, crystal clear waters. That is what it's like to know the shepherd who gives us everything we need in life. But not only that, the shepherd, the passage tells us, the shepherd also leads us, leads us along ways to actually for our own benefit. He leads us in ways that help us, the right paths. But not only that, he leads us in ways that affirms the reality that Jesus is the one that loves us the most, that Jesus is the one who cares about us the most, that it is Jesus is the one who transforms our fallen um, humanity into godliness. So Jesus leads us along right paths that allow us to see and affirms his love and his care and his transforming power in our lives. That is what the shepherd does in our lives. Pretty profound. That's the first three verses. And then brings us to verse four. Now, verse four, as it appears up there on the screen, may seem very strange to many of us because we know verse four in a different way. How many of us would say verse four should go along the lines of, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Many of us will know those terms. But that is not how the original language actually goes. 
It's interesting that if we focus, if we remember Psalm 23 and focusing on the, the valley of the shadow of death, it's actually, we can think it's only talking about those situations which are life or death, where death is knocking at the door. And so the psalm then doesn't apply to any other situation that doesn't include death as being an imminent thing. But the original Hebrew language that the psalm was written in actually talks about dark times. It talks about dark valleys, darkest valleys, which recognises the fact that there are many times in our lives that we will go through things that are really bad but which don't concern death. Many of us here this morning can talk about dark times that are not life or death, but they are equally so difficult and the pain and the trial that those times were. They are included in the original wording of of verse 4. The writer wanted to make sure that included in there is all of the different experiences of darkness and trial and difficulty that we go through in life, not simply the ones that involve death. Now, so what we have to recognise is that dark valleys are very real in our lives. In In our existence, they are very, very real. But often dark valleys can also be those situations that we have projected ourselves into through our own catastrophizing. We impose dark valley conditions upon a situation that probably never will happen. But in our minds, we have projected dark times upon a situation in our lives and we now think that that is what's going to happen. So whether or not our dark valleys are real and legitimate or whether or not it's a result of our own catastrophizing, dark valleys are part of our human existence, our human experience. So how then does this verse from Psalm 23 help us in any of the dark valleys that we find ourselves walking through? Well, let's unpack it a little bit more. The first part of verse 4 says that even though I walk through the darkest valley... As I said, each of us will have dark times, have hard experiences. It will happen to us and it will happen to those that we love. Hard times are are unavoidable. But the important thing is, is to actually doing what the first part of verse 4 actually says. And that is, it says, what? Walk through. Walk through the darkest times. Walk through the dark valleys. It doesn't say, now that I live in the dark valleys. It doesn't say, now that I camp out in the dark valleys. It talks about walking through the dark times that we have in life. Now, we might not use language that says darkest valleys and things like that. You know the language you usually use? I'm going through hell. I'm going through hell at the moment. And that's absolutely right. There's going to be times in our life when we feel like we're having a hell-type experience. So if you use that language, I'm going through hell, do what you say. Go through hell. Don't stay there. Don't camp out there. Don't live there. And you know how we live and camp out in dark times? You know how we do that? It's when we think, you know what, this is as good as it gets. This is my lot in life now. It's never going to get better. This is it for me. The rest of my life is just pain and suffering and I'm just going to have to get used to that. That's not going through. That's camping out and that is living in the dark times. But the passage from from verse 4 here says, even though I go through the darkest valleys, going through, 
So the encouragement here is saying, don't simply stay there. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't simply stay where you are. Have the intention of going through the dark times to the other side. Because, can I reassure you, the end will come. The end will come. You'll come through this. You'll get through it if you intend to come through it yourself. So these hard times, these difficult times are going to come. But it's not just about coming through to the other side. How we get through to the other side is just as important. The next part of the, of the verse 4 says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, the, a majority of translations has, has translated the Hebrew word here as evil. But a vast majority of scholars actually have translated from the real meaning of the word evil here from the Hebrew as being more appropriately, guess what? Disaster. Catastrophe. That's more suitable to the word rather than evil. It's actually talking about disaster and catastrophe. So what do we do then if we read the reverse of this part of the verse 4? It says... Saying that if you fear, it means then that you will catastrophize in some way. Let me say that again. If you fear, you can't help but catastrophize. Thinking about the worst case scenario. See, a person who lives dictated by fear will catastrophize. And what they will catastrophize about is an indication about what it is that they fear most. Interesting. But that's not what the verse says, is it? The verse says something very different. Many other translations of this passage also are missing the word will from that part. A lot of times it simply says, I fear no evil. I fear no evil. Now, if that is a translation that we read, we could, it could imply in our reading that, you know what? There is nothing that could actually hurt me. I will fear no evil. I fear no evil in the dark valleys. It's like there's nothing could actually go wrong. Nothing could actually hurt us. But I don't know about you. My life experience is sometimes when in a dark situation, it can go from bad to worse real quick. Something worse can happen. Something worse can happen. Something worse could happen again. That's my experience. So what's the importance of the word will here? I will fear no evil. You see, the inclusion of the word will here, which is in the original language, actually conveys the fact that we make a conscious decision not to fear a particular situation. Now, something could absolutely go wrong here, but it is a choice to say, I will not fear. I will not fear what could happen. So the effect of choosing not to fear will mean that I won't catastrophize because I'm not afraid of what could happen. See, we, when we're afraid of what could happen, we, our minds then go off to the races and we picture all sorts of outcomes unfolding. Taylor could have had a brain tumour in that moment with her intense headaches. But choosing not to fear would have actually stopped me Stop my mind from automatically going to the worst case scenario. Because fear makes me catastrophize. 
You see, the way we go through tough times has as much to do with how we choose to go through them. It's not that we want to, I'm not trying to diminish what you may go through in your life, but often we can't choose what we go through. Dark times happen to us without our permission and usually at the worst possible time. We can't choose when bad stuff is going to happen to us, but we can certainly choose how we're going to go through it, how we're going to respond to it. That is a choice that's up to you about how you're going to do that. It's like saying, I'm going to choose not to catastrophize in this situation. I'm going to choose not to fear what is, what is before me right now. I could fear, absolutely could fear, but I'm going to choose not to. I'm going to choose not to catastrophize. Full disclosure here. As I was preparing for this message this week, I got a phone call. I got a phone call that traditionally I could have so, so gone to a bad place in thinking about what the implications were of that phone call. I could have so gone there. But what sort of a person would I be? What sort of work would God want to do in my life if I simply go down some of my natural pathways? No, God was using the message that, to speak to me. He said, Troy, don't fear. Choose not to fear. And so in that moment, on the encouragement of this psalm, I said, no, I'm not going to fear the implications of that phone call. And you know what? The rest of my week was great because I wasn't racked with worry. I didn't lose any sleep over it. I just said, no, I'm choosing not to fear about what could be. I am just going to stand here and recognising it could be an issue, but I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to fear it. So we could make a conscious decision, no, I'm not going to fear. But why would you choose not to fear? There's got to be a motivation there. There's got to be something, a reason why you're going to choose not to fear. Well, let me ask you this. How many times do you change your behaviour when someone is with you? I mean, how many of us, even when we really, really want to, how many of us won't pick our nose because we've got somebody with us? <laughs> oh, I don't want to see, them, see me picking my nose. You see, who is with us can change our behaviour, can absolutely change our behaviour. Who is with us changes what we do. So I will not fear, verse 4 says, is because you are with me. But choosing faith over fear is not because we, want the, we don't want the shepherd to see that we're afraid. We're choosing faith over fear because of the reassurance of the shepherd being with us. Let us not be so proud to think that we're not going to show the shepherd the fact that we're scared in this situation. Let us not be so proud about that, but rather let us be faith-filled to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to not fear this situation because I know the shepherd is with me. Let that be the basis of the reason why we have faith more than anything else. You see, the shepherd is actually with us in those dark times. He's with you, he's with me. The shepherd is leading our lives. But, he, but get this, the implications of what this verse says. He is not leading us from afar. He's not leading us remotely. 
The shepherd is leading us, is with us right now. He's with us as close as anybody is. And it's because of how we've seen the shepherd's love for us through the green pastures, through the quiet waters. It's seeing the shepherd's love for us, leading us around life, uh, right paths, that we then take great comfort as we embark upon the dark valley journeys that each of us will go through in our lives. Now, the, the words here of verse 4 provide us a picture of the shepherd being like a companion, if you like. For you are with me, it says. Now, it'd be easiest for, easy for us to picture. It's like Samwise Ganji. Anyone know who Samwise Ganji is from Lord of the Rings movie? We can imagine that to be a little bit like Samwise Ganji, where he is a companion to Frodo Baggins as they are about to embark upon the journey into the dark valleys heading into the land of Mordor. Here's a picture of this. This is at the end, the, one of the final scenes of the, of the Fellowship of the Ring movie, the first of the Lord of Rings movie. You can see there that before them heading in towards the land of Mordor there, it's darkness. There's a whole lot of dark valleys that they need to go through. And yet Frodo says to Sam, his companion, Sam, I'm so glad that you are with me. And then they walk off heading into those dark places right there. Is that how we are to think about the shepherd from verse 4? That he is actually just someone to reassure us that we're not going through this alone. Is that what he is about? Is that what the, the passage is supposed to say? You see, what we have to remember is that Jesus is not merely a good friend like Samwise Ganji was. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not merely a good friend, he is a good shepherd. And we know that Jesus is a good shepherd because the last part of verse 4 says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, the mention of these two items, the rod and the staff, reminds us that Jesus is not merely a good friend, he is the good shepherd. And he is the good shepherd that he has always been, even in the verses that we've looked at previously. You see, the rod and the staff are tools of the shepherd. And not merely does the shepherd come with us, but he brings his tools with him as we go through the dark valleys. So what's the significance of the rod and the staff? Well, the rod was a type of club instrument that the shepherd would use to protect against those who would come and attack the sheep. The fact that the mere fact that rod gets a mention here in this context of dark valleys says that when you're in the dark times on your life, expect to be attacked by your enemy. Satan will come against you in the dark valleys, in the dark times, and come against your faith in Jesus. I mean, how many times when you find yourself in times of trouble and times of trial and suffering, do you also coincidentally also then find yourself really angry with God? Why is this happening to me? You're cursing God. You, you, you know, why are you so angry with God? Or that we have the experience saying, we're doubting whether or not God actually exists. We doubt whether or not he loves us. We doubt whether or not God can actually help us. Interesting, before the dark times came upon you, you weren't angry with God. Before the dark times, you, you weren't questioning whether or not God exists or not, were you? What happens in the dark times? Well, Satan comes and starts sowing seeds into us about challenging about whether or not God is there if he loves you and that he can actually help you. 
That is part of the attack that the enemy brings against us in our dark times. But keeping close to the shepherd allows the shepherd to use his rod to comfort us, to protect us from Satan's attacks. The rod is so important because the rod is to protect us, to protect our faith in the shepherd as we go through these dark times. But notice that it's not just mentioning about the rod, but there's also the staff. The shepherd's staff was to guide. The shepherd's staff was to direct the sheep. You see, in dark valleys, the good shepherd simply doesn't go along for the ride. Just simply to help us feel like we're not alone. He guides us through it. I mean, how many times when you are in a dark place do you also then make really bad decisions? Decisions, you know, in the dark places, often we try to, try to make, we make rash decisions to try and make the situation better. Or we make decisions that try to relieve the pain that we're feeling. And often when we make those type of decisions, it actually makes the problems worse. I can give you a long list of when I've made decisions in dark times and it's made the situation worse. How about you? You see, the shepherd wants to guide you in the midst of the dark valley experiences. See, this is where we see the difference between the, the picture of what's painted in the psalm compared to the picture that we get from Frodo and Samwise Ganji from Lord of the Rings movie. Because if you know the Lord of the Rings movie, as, Fro as Frodo and Sam go through the dark valleys towards Mordor, who's making the decisions about what's going on? It's Frodo. Frodo makes all the decisions. No, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. This is the, uh, the way we're going to do it. He makes all the decisions. And Samwise, he just goes along for the journey. I'm with you, but you're making all the decisions. That is not what the Good Shepherd does. The Good Shepherd guides us if we will let him. The Good Shepherd will guide and direct us through. He's not simply a passenger along for the journey he will guide you that's what his staff is for that's what the psalm is reassuring us about that the shepherd will guide you if you will let him in the dark times and that then brings us full circle back to the words of the song little wonders that we looked at before remember what the chorus says it says, our lives are made in these small hours, these little wonders, these twists and turns of fate. Time falls away, but these small hours, these small hours still remain. Now, I wish I had time to show you the whole song because the whole song is profound, not just the chorus. But the reality is, our lives are made by what we do in the small hours when we process, when we reflect upon the dark valleys that we find ourselves in. Our lives are made in these small hours. You see, our life of faith is made by the extent to which we allow the shepherd to lead us and guide us and protect us in the dark valleys. But equally, our lives are made by the extent to which we catastrophize when we're racked with worry. Our lives are made when we start doubting whether or not that God is with us and he loves us and that he can actually help us. Our lives are made when we, we make rash decisions simply to try and relieve the pain that we're feeling in the dark times that we're in. Our lives are made in these small hours. But the good news is, as we can see from the, 
the chorus of the words up there, the good news is that these small hours still remain. Regardless of how you may have dealt with your dark valleys before, a small hour remains right now where you can make the life, where you can make your life by what you do in the next small hour. You may not have handled your dark situations before, handled your dark valleys before, but there's still a small hour now where you can make your future life, where you can choose about what you're going to do with the dark valleys that you may find yourself in, where you can choose about what role the shepherd is to play in your life. See, the reality is that we don't need to catastrophize because the shepherd is with us, that we don't need to fear by being overcome by the enemy because our shepherd will protect us. We don't need, need, need to worry about making wrong decisions, rash decisions, because our shepherd will guide us. This is the choice that we make in these small hours. You know, being a follower of Jesus is actually defined by two things. And this may be revolutionary for some of us to hear today. Being a follower of Jesus is defined by two things. It's defined by how much we love and it's defined by how much we fear. A life of following Jesus is learning about how to love more and to fear less. And what we have to recognise is that every single day, every moment of our lives, we make a conscious decision that we're either going to love or we're going to make the decision to fear. Jesus talks to his disciples about the issue of love and then he displays his love, the full extent of his love, by dying on the cross for his disciples and every single one of us so that we can find forgiveness from our sins. Jesus shows the issue of love, what love looks like. But this psalm talks about the issue of fear. But regardless, it is the shepherd who shows us love tells us about love and it is the shepherd who deals and talks to us about our fear. See, I'm not sure if you realise or not, but right now, one of these small hours is in this moment right now because I guarantee you that sitting here in this room, watching online right now, are people who are fearing something in your life. These small hours where your life is made, is in this moment right now. What life are you making for yourself? What life are you making for yourself? My encouragement to each of us is this. Make a different life for you by coming to the shepherd. Come and give over to the shepherd. Don't give in to your fear. Come and give over to the shepherd. Give over to the shepherd. Don't give in to your fear. Make these small hours count. That choice is yours. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Make the decision in this small hour to be a person who allows you to be led by the shepherd. Will you join me in prayer?
Lord God, I give you thanks and praise for the significance of this verse 4 and how it helps all of us, Lord God, who have the tendency to catastrophize, who have the tendency, Lord God, to give in to our fears in more times than we care to acknowledge. Lord, I want to pray that the significance of this verse 4 helps each of us to be able to come closer to the shepherd, to allow you, Lord Jesus, to actually uh, be who you are and who you want to be in our lives. You are the one who is with us. You are the one who helps us not fear. You are the one who can guide and protect us. Lord God, let that be a decision that we choose to make today in these small hours, that we will allow you to shepherd us as the true shepherd, as the good shepherd that you really are. Lord, I want to pray for anybody here listening to my voice right now who is racked with fear, who's racked with worry about a particular situation or might find themselves doing so very soon. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are suffering from fear right now, that you may just encourage us so much for this psalm and that we actually do what it says, that we will not fear because you are with us and we let your rod and staff guide and protect us. May that transform us today and tomorrow by allowing you to shepherd us in the way that you want to. Lord, Lord God, I want to pray this now. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. Amen. If you are somebody here who needs prayer for something that you are fearing right now, would love to pray with you about that. Myself and John Owens, we would love to do that. And maybe um, if I could ask Lorraine, if you would be available, and maybe Jeff as, as well, that we would love to be available to pray with you if you find yourself fearing something and it's affecting your life profoundly right now. And you don't want to give in to the fear. You want to be, have life dictated to you by fear. You want to be a person of faith and let the shepherd shepherd you. If you need prayer for anything right now about fear-wise, please come and seek prayer. We're just going to be up the back. But also, if you are somebody here today or online who have not brought your life um, uh, into the leadership and lordship of the shepherd, then we'd love to talk with you about what that means. We'd love to include that as well.